You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Jesse B. Good, and he is the CEO of Apprendi, which is the People Skills Academy for Business Performance. And we're going to find out a little bit more about his company, his background in customer service, and about what we can do to raise the bar in terms of the levels of customer service, customer relationships that we provide. With that, Jesse, welcome to the program. Hello. Thank you, Bruce. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, well, thank you for taking some time. So why don't we start a little bit with your background, and then we can dig into Apprendi and the whole people skills and customer service. How did you get into this? What was your background that got you into the whole world of customer service, customer experience? Uh, Yeah, so I have worked in customer-facing roles since the time I was a teenager. And so I I estimate that throughout my career, I have served over 1 million customers. (laughs) I like Uh, it. Yeah, I wrote a book a couple of years back and based it on the things that I learned through all those years of experience in serving people. It started with just a, a paper route, you know, when I was probably in uh, seventh grade. Yep. And uh, as crazy as it is, just working that paper route as a as a, a tween, I began to see at a very young age how important it was to deliver exactly what my customers were looking for, which in this case was just timely delivery of their newspaper. Yep. But as I started working in high school, I, I took that with me. And uh, getting into my college years, I, I began working in a video store. Some of the listeners might remember those. <laughs> yeah. 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 So there's probably a, a very strong generational divide. Yeah. <laughs> Folks that yeah. know what a video store is, is and those that don't. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I had an interesting experience there that, that kind of turned on that light bulb where in the interviewing process, I, I was asked about, you know, the manager interviewing me said, oh, we believe that sir, service is very important. Do, do you think it's important? And I said, yes, uh, of course it is. And and he threw me three or four questions or or statements like that about how important service is and, and do you agree? And, and I just said yes to everything and I got the job. And, uh, <laughs> and I saw with some of the other employees there that that through their actions, they weren't really that concerned with our customers. And and I began to see that very much in organizations, this is how people hire. Hey, this person's very nice. They've got a great personality. I think they'll be great at, at taking care of customers. And, and very often we're not. I believe that customer service is a very specific skill and, and people need to learn that as they would many other skills. And so throughout yeah. the, the next couple of jobs that I had working my way through college, began developing training that I was just kind of delivering to the teams I was working with. And then uh, after coming out of college, did a little bit of speaking, some consulting and training just as a side hustle. And then recently, that's really started to uh, to take off more for us. So yeah. it's it's been a great journey. Yeah. So and, and let's talk a little about what you mean by customer service. And when we're talking about 
customer service, what does that really sort of encapsulate or what is what is kind of the working definition that you use when we, you talk with organizations about this? Sure. So I, I really appreciate the uh, the definition of Ron Kaufman. He's another uh, a great guy in, in customer service. And he says, service is providing value for somebody else. That's a very simple, very basic definition. I think that's the definition. When I'm training to people the, the specific skill, I train it to them in three parts that it involves discovering what your customer needs, delivering exactly what they ask for, and whenever possible, you do more to exceed their expectations. And it, it, yeah, it's been really interesting to see how, uh, you know, that, that that's the basic version, which I can deliver in less than 30 seconds. <laughs> and, and, and I've seen people start to make changes in-service delivery from that 30 seconds. Now, if we spend, you know, a few hours or a couple of days really diving into each of those and how to really excel and do well in each of those areas, then we just see an acceleration of service performance. Yeah. And and where, I mean, given those kind of three parts to that definition, where do you see most organizations kind of fall down? Like where, what part of that do, do they fail to do well or fail to do, fail to do it? effectively. So I would say that there's there's kind of two parts. Number one is that I, I think most initially just fail in the training of it. They don't even acknowledge that that's what needs to be done. On top of that, I, I think people are, are okay at, at discovering. We tend to mess up in, in the delivery from time to time. I mean, just as a basic example, think about, you know, you go to a restaurant, they mess up your order. Mm-hmm. That's a problem with the delivery. Do more is by far the part that we see the least of, which is why when you find those organizations that are so good at it, that it's such a big deal. And I think on top of that, kind of the the hidden piece to all this is I, I use that same flow for how to resolve customer issues or, or problems. So okay. if somebody says, you know, you didn't deliver what I asked for, then we kind of start over. Okay, well, let me discover what the problem was. Let me yeah. try to deliver that again. Let me do more to kind of make it up to you. And that's where I see the second biggest issue is. So let's say number one is not doing more. Number two is that they don't know how to resolve when they fail to deliver. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's sad that organizations aren't taking the time to train some of those skills to their employees. Yeah, yeah. And and does every organization need to be experts or or have a high like degree of capability and from a customer service point of view or like how do you do you kind of categorize or diagnose companies saying hey look this this is something that is really a core capability for you and you know other companies that may not be like how how do you decide who who really needs to get into this uh yeah i'm i'm kind of biased i'm drinking the kool-aid right <laughs> so uh i i believe every customer facing individual should have some basic customer service training. And with that, I often remind people that, you know what, maybe you manage a team of people who are customer facing. And so maybe you're not speaking directly with the customers or the people on the other side of the cash register is what I like to call them. You still have customers in that role. You are serving your team. You're serving your peers. Maybe you're serving your manager who's above you. So these skills are valuable to everyone, not necessarily just to the people who who are working directly with those customers. So with that, yeah, what, what I try to help companies understand is that we we have kind of a skewed perception of 
of what good customer service is and, and what we hope to get out of it. If I can kind of go back to the restaurant example, I yeah. use that because it's something everybody's familiar with. It's something everybody's done. Recently, a, a work colleague and I went out to a, a sit-down restaurant. It was fine. The mm-hmm. server found out what we wanted, gave us exactly what we wanted. Like I said, there wasn't really kind of that like do more aspect, but mm-hmm. it, it was just it was just average. And when we finished the meal, she said, okay, here's, here's, you know, your bill, here's a survey you can do, be sure and give me nines and tens. And he and I kind of got into this discussion of, well, if you just did exactly what was expected, <laughs> do you really deserve nines and tens? Mm. And, and we determined that no, we, we, we don't think so. And so, uh, we look at like the, the one to 10 scale, which, which I, I think is kind of skewed in that we think if we just do what we were supposed to do, that should be a nine and 10. When really, if a 10 is the absolute best and one is the worst that it can be, then if I'm just doing those steps of discovering and delivering, then I'm really getting more like a five to six range. Interesting. And yeah. I would imagine that some of it is somewhat sort of based on the competition and what the baseline is for a given industry. I mean, I, I can imagine certain industries that are notorious for bad service. Like you don't actually have to go that far <laughs> to, yeah, no, to that's, score that's, nines that's and tens, you know, versus other industries that are, you know, I guess the, the baseline expectation, like if I go into a high-end spa or something like that, I mean, the baseline expectation is I'm going to have pretty exceptional customer service and to score a 910, like they're going to have to really come up with something I wasn't expecting. Oh, yeah. I mean, how, I mean, I, I guess, how do you help companies figure out, like, how much of this is based on kind of the customers or the target customers' expectation and um, where, where that might be in terms of being high or low relative to the industry or relative to just, you know, service in general? Yeah. So, so one of the first things that I like to iterate is that it's always easier to exceed your customer's expectations if you know exactly what they are expecting. So that goes back to that first step of, of discover, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Let me understand what you expect so I know how to exceed that expectation. Yeah. Now, a challenge that we do face in service is that once you exceed somebody's expectations and and they're really, oh, wow, well, that was really fantastic. Thank you. If they come back and you do that again, it, it's not as surprising well, or exciting. Yeah, it resets the level. Yeah. So, so one thing that we we try to to teach at Apprendi is that you know what it doesn't have to be a ten every single time because we already talked about how that five to six that that's average. So if we can consistently be in a seven to nine range, yeah. then that is really good, and that already separates you from ninety five percent of the competition. Yeah, yeah. So and let's talk about that kind of discovering what a, a customer wants because I think I, I, my sense is having been a customer <laughs> and, and worked with organizations that are struggling with this, that's actually not so easy. How do you help or how can companies really do that better or or do that more, you know, consistently or, you know, with greater insight to make sure that they're really kind of getting, really understanding at, uh, at a deep level what the customer really wants or what the customer really needs? Yeah. So uh, w- within Discover, we break that down into smaller pieces. And, and the first step of that is to engage your customer. And so this means that we actually make contact with them. We have conversations, uh, even over the phone, if we have to. So in a way, I'm saying, yes, let's, if emailing is more convenient for your customer and that's what they prefer, then then go ahead and do that. But, you know, let's pick up the phone. Let's have people conversations. Let's talk to each other 
one-on-one and and understand what people are hoping to get from us. Within the tech world, there's been this new field that has emerged called customer success. I don't know how familiar you are with Mm. customer success, but what we're seeing is that in software subscription companies, these customer success managers are working with their customers to help them adopt usage of software and to get value from that software. And it always starts with what they call a discovery call. And so it's it's understanding what are you know what reason did you purchase this software what do you hope to get out of this and it's interesting that they use the term success because success has a different definition for every organization right yep. depending on the organization success looks differently so you need to to have those conversations to understand what are the specific things that success looks like and then how do we achieve those yeah and, and- uh, I guess how, how how do you what are some of the questions you asked during that discovery call? I mean, I, I'm curious about where people kind of get it wrong or where they where really good companies get it right in terms of being able to dig under. And I, I guess part of the reason I ask is I think that one of the challenges is quite often the customer doesn't necessarily know what they want or need. <laughs> yeah. Nope. That's, so how that's do you so how do you deal with that? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. A, a large part of that is going to be, like I said, first you're going to engage, find out what it is that that they are hoping to get. The second step that I that we train is that I say eavesdrop because it it keeps up the, the alliteration. Mm-hmm. It, when you're eavesdropping, think about how hard you listen to what somebody's saying when you're not supposed to be hearing what they're saying. Yeah. And and so that's what you want to do. You want to listen to what they're telling you. You you begin a conversation with them. You're asking discovery questions. And then our last step is to eliminate concerns. So it's not just maybe you say, I want A, B, and C, and, and it's easy for me to just make notes. Okay, he wants A, B, and C, but maybe then I'm eliminating those concerns. Okay, so you say you want A, B, and C, but as I look at this and how your business is set up, I'm a little concerned that, that A and C will work for you. But B might be an issue because of these reasons. And so we're helping them in some ways really discover what they need. Because it's, it's just like you said, a lot of times people don't even know what they want. Uh, one of the jobs that I worked at in college, working, paying my way through college, was in a bowling alley. And people would come into the bowling alley and you would just ask them the, a simple question like, how many games would you like to bowl? Oh, gosh, you know, I, I didn't I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's that, you know, even even in Wendy's in high school, I, I worked at Wendy's. I, I worked the drive through most of the time. People pull up to the drive through at a fast food restaurant and don't know what they want to eat. So, I, yeah, I'm I'm with you all the way. It's, well, again, and, and let's talk about the bowling one, because I think that's a that's a great one, which I think a lot of companies get in the trap is, is that from from the employee's point of view or from the employee's frame, I'll say, you know, they're thinking about, well, how many games are they going to bowl from the customer's frame? It's probably more likely as how long do I want to play. And so how do you kind of frame these questions? Or or it's very easy to kind of frame the questions in terms of what what is the information you want rather than framing it in a way that helps the you know helps the customer identify or 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 figure out their needs. So in the bowling example, it's like, well, you know, I probably want to play for about an hour, hour and a half. Well so then you tell me, uh, you know, bowling alley representative, (laughs) you know, is that, you know, is that one game, is it two games, is it three games? You know, and I think by kind of taking that customer focus or customer centered frame and, and thinking about these questions and helping ask, ask them that way is a good one. The one that always gets me is um, I have this crazy thing about 
I like drinking coffee out of paper cups. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I always get the question when I order a coffee, they say, well, is that for here to go? And I always have to say, I would, uh, you know, I would, I would like it in a paper cup because I know if I, even if I'm staying and oftentimes I'm staying, if I tell them I'm staying, I'm going to get it in a ceramic mug. Yeah. It's it's something about drinking out of ceramic mug. I don't like, but they, but they, you know, they're thinking about it in terms of, well, you know, what is the thing that you're going to do with it? And they're assuming that if I'm staying, well, then I want a ceramic mug when that's really not the case. <laughs> yeah. And so I've had to kind of train them or I've had to like know that that is the, that is really what they're trying to get at. And so how can I tell them what what it is I'm really going to want? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, just kind of running with the bowling alley example, what yeah. we found was that if, if you could ask people how many games you want to play, I, I mean, the conversation could take several minutes. So so we would kind of look at the group that's coming in. Okay. It's, it's a young couple. They're on a date and we would just say, do you guys want to play two games tonight? Turn it into a yes, no question. Yes, I do. Now in Utah, we have a lot of big families here, Uh which means that uh, if mom and dad come in with five kids, you know, they only want one game. Yeah. And <laughs> it's going to take them so, an hour and yeah, a half to play yeah, it anyway. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. So, so you can look at things like that. And it's interesting to see how, um, as we're training people, they, they have these experiences where, where the light turns on. I was working with someone, kind of trying to train them and, and saying, you know, it's easier if you ask the question this way. Just ask them, would you like two games? And the next group came up and she said, how many games? And they, they spent forever trying to figure it out. And we went through that two or three times. And finally, she, while they were trying to figure out how many games, she just said, would you like two games? Yeah. And they said, yeah, that's <laughs> yes. great. Let's do that. And, <laughs> and suddenly the Desperate light bulb for an easy up. answer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, it works. And then, and then she got it. Yeah. And uh, so, so that's something we have to take into consideration as well is that, you know, the, the skills are very important for people to learn, but it, it's still just a part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and what do we do? So, so we've got this kind of diagnostic, the discovery phase. If going through that phase, you get to this medium, the, the center part of this, which is deliver. What, what happens if you, if you come across a, a need that you cannot effectively meet or, or that is not going to be within your wheelhouse or is not part of the service or the, the situation. How do you deal with that? Like, how do you deal with a situation where you discover something that you cannot actually solve? Yeah. So, so like I said, the third part of discovering is eliminating concerns. So hopefully you should have established by that point that you are able to deliver everything that the customer is asking for. If for some reason they're asking for something and and you believe it's possible, oh, I need X product by this date. And then as you're getting into that delivery phase and you find that you won't be able to do that, we just recommend candid and open conversation with your customer. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's no point in, in trying to to delay the inevitable or crossing your fingers and, and hoping that, that things work out for you. And this is part of the reason that I think when you and I first connected, I mentioned that I, I was kind of working on changing my brand. And, and so with Apprendi, where we're focusing not just on customer service, but on people skills in general, mm-hmm. it's because of things like this, where, where we're finding that people find it hard to have these hard conversations yeah. around, you know, just letting somebody know. And nine times out of 10, if you know in advance that there's going to be a problem and you communicate to them, most people are okay with that. It's it's when that date has come and gone yeah. and they haven't heard anything or you tell them afterward or they have to reach out to you to inquire about it later, then, then that becomes an issue. Just a quick example, if yeah. I could share one with an organization that, that I had worked with recently where they, they were doing some shipping and logistics and some orders had arrived from a customer at the warehouse and uh, had not been received into inventory. 
And that customer then had to reach out to the company and say, hey, what, what's going on? My, my orders have arrived. They haven't been received into inventory. And it, it hit like a month had passed and nothing had happened. No communication had been made from the company. And, and had the customer not reached out, it's very mm-hmm. possible that their items would have just continued to sit there. And that's what frustrates people, right? Mm-hmm. If someone had just said, hey, we've got a problem with this shipment. We can't receive it right now for these reasons. And it'll take us about this long. Mm-hmm. Then I, I, I think the customer would have been completely satisfied in knowing that information. Yeah. No, I think people people will be much more tolerant of reset expectations than missed expectations. Yeah, <laughs> so, definitely. So uh, in terms of once you're in kind of delivery mode or, or you're, you're, you're executing on the plan, where do you find or how do you discover these opportunities to go above and beyond? Because I think there's a really interesting concept. I think that, you know, like you mentioned in the beginning, a lot of people miss it. But what is the, are there any strategies or any techniques or any ways of kind of discovering or, or uncovering these opportunities that allow you to go above and beyond for customers? Yeah, yeah. So that, that, that's something that it's, it's very important to do. It's different for every business and how they do it and, and what they're allowed to do. Mm-hmm. I remember reading a couple of years ago in in a, a some customer service book uh, about someone had left their laptop in a hotel and had flown to Hawaii. It was a business laptop. And the employees at that hotel, I want to say it was a Marriott, but I could be wrong, yeah. uh, were empowered to use up to $1,000 to to do something special for one of their hotel guests. And so one of the employees jumped on an airplane and, and flew the laptop to them in Hawaii. <laughs> Now, now that's really amazing and spectacular. I mean, that's yeah. that's like an eleven. That's that's past yeah. a ten, right? Yeah. But but we understand that not every organization has the budget to be able to do things like that, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm, if I'm working at the bowling alley, I can't jump on an airplane to re- to return somebody's laptop. Yeah. So so what we have done with our customers is is we brainstorm with their teams on different things that they do. And what we find is that on most service teams, almost every person on the team has two or three things that they are already doing. And so if we get together with everyone and combine all of those, we can come up with a full list. Here are all of the ways that you are empowered to do something extra for your customer. Uh, and and just in my book, even, I included 101 ways to do more for your customer. And there are things that are all pretty general and apply to about any industry. Yeah. And I will say some of them maybe fall into just that basic customer service level of just remembering people's names, saying things like, please, thank you, and you're welcome. But because so many businesses aren't doing that anymore, it, it sets you apart. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's talk about as, as a leader, as a, a senior executive, you know, senior leader inside an organization, what can you do to start building a culture, building a process, a playbook, you know, the, the, a capability for delivering exceptional customer service? How, how do you approach this? So, the, the, you know, for the folks that are not, you know, on the front lines, you know, working directly with customers on a day to day, they're having to figure out sort of systems and culture and hiring and all this. How do they, how do they approach this or what can they do? to increase the company's customer service capabilities? Yeah, great question. So we use a a, a template for helping organizations uh, create a culture of customer care. There's eight points within this, and if you don't mind, I'll just run through them each quickly. Uh, So so the first one is is drive, and we tried to make these all kind of monosyllabic so they're quick and easy to remember. The first one is drive. We want to appeal to 
employees' motivation? Why is it important that we're giving customer service? Uh, it falls right in line with Simon Sinek's begin with why, sure. right? And, yep. and understanding why we're doing this. The second part is skills, which we talked about, falls into that discover, deliver, do more. The, the third part is we call it friends. So you want to build a social community where delivering great customer service is expected and respected. So it's win-win. It's it's a place that you go into where everybody is delivering great customer service. Because what we found through our research and the, the organizations that we've worked with, that service, it, it's, a, it's a team sport and it takes everybody. Yeah. And sometimes it only takes a few bad apples to really make an entire team give bad customer service. Yeah, yeah. And, and we worked with a team a couple of years ago. Those bad apples were pretty easy to to pick out. Mm-hmm. And working with this organization, they brought in a, a new customer service manager. And as that person came in and shared their vision and said, here's the things that we're going to do. We're going to really do more for our customers. Those bad apples weren't interested in being around that anymore. And and they left. And, and so once... We saw just a, a little bit of turnover within that organization, but it, so probably I'm going to say 10% of the team maybe yeah. left. And with the new 10% that came in, they were able to train those people fresh. But that middle, like 80% of the middle, they, they were happy to follow a leader that was that was customer service oriented, right? They just yeah. needed the right person to follow. Yeah. So friends, friends is the third one. The fourth and fifth kind of go together. So that, so fourth is, is score that we want to make sure we're measuring our metrics and have an understanding of what we're measuring, why we're measuring those things, and that those metrics make sense because sometimes we measure things that, that are meaningless to us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then win is around rewarding and recognizing our employees. So this is an important one for managers. We want to make sure that that their performances are being recognized, that they know that their their contribution is valued, right? And, and so that's an important one for managers. A great resource, if you want to look more into that, is uh, the Carrot Principle. Uh, I think it's Chester um, Elton and Adrian yeah. Gostick. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, some some fantastic concepts there on how to recognize your employees. I think they say that the the research that they found is that you should recognize an employee every seven days. And okay. so, yep. so, so if you're looking at just business days, that's still almost once a week that that you should be recognizing the positive contributions of your team. Like and then, uh, and so. That was, uh, let's see, that was five. So six is space. We want to control the the physical space that we work in. This tends to deal more with our people that are working face-to-face with customers, but but it may be people that are working virtually as well. We want to make sure people are set up for success, that they have an adequate workspace to work in. What I often tell people about with space was an experience from the, the bowling alley again, was uh, there was a, a girl who worked at the cash register and I was always really big on don't leave the cash register because when when customers come up I want you here waiting for them. I don't mm-hmm. want them ever to have to wait for you. And and she would wander off and she <laughs> had she had good intent. She was trying to help her coworkers either either clean off tables or yep. or help kids in the arcade or, or whatever. She had good intent, but still you you have those customers arrive and they're waiting at the cash register. So what we did was we just found some like the blue painters tape and I just taped a square that was like three feet by three feet behind the cash register and said, don't cross that line. 
<laughs> I love it. Stay and in that, the box. <laughs> and, and that was it. That was, that was all it took. I, we just had to learn how to control her space and, and, yeah. and set up a physical boundary for her so that she knew where she was supposed to work. Uh, mm-hmm. So along with space, uh, then there's tools. So we need to have the necessary tools, whether, you know, if you're working in a call center, you know, whether it's, it's the software you're using, whatever sort of computer setup you have. It, 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 software is a, a huge one nowadays, especially yeah. with, with the tools. And then the last one is just the rules. So it's it's the processes that you are using to effectively serve your customers. So so we found that when organizations can align those, they have immense success. They are accelerating service performance because it's not just, okay, we hired you, you had a great personality, now now go in and serve people, but they're they're not leaving anything to chance. Yeah. Right. So yeah. so we, we know from behavioral psychology that there are a variety of areas that influence our behaviors. And so if we can take control of every one of those areas and get them working in our favor, then we multiply the chances of of success. That makes sense. And where when where should companies start? I mean, there's, that's kind of a long list. Uh, is is there one that you, you generally recommend or that that kind of sets everything up or how do, how do you? Like, what's the process, or how do you how do you kind of kick this off for organizations? Um, so generally, I, I I would say skills tends to be the, the first one. So I appreciate that we were able to to kind of start with that conversation today, yep. because that's that's the most neglected and perhaps the most important. If you have everything else set up and and people still don't have the skill, then then you're not going to move that needle. Yep. So so skills and. Uh, ha- Having the drive, understanding the why is is definitely important right behind that. I would say beyond skills, maybe just kind of what's your weakest point? Yeah. Where can you make the, the biggest improvement? Uh, maybe I shouldn't say the weakest point. Where can you make a small change that, that will have a, a big result? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and that and that's biggest that's a little different for every organization. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Jesse, this has been a pleasure. Thanks for taking the time today to talk about this. I guess it was a great conversation for folks that are looking to to raise the bar on service and really connect and uh, hopefully delight their customers around this. Um, if people want more information on you and um, you know the work that you do, organization, what uh, what's the best place to get that? Uh, yeah, so right now they can find us at Apprendi.com. That's A-P-R-E-N-D-E-Y. And so as I mentioned, uh, you know our focus has been largely on customer service, but we're looking at, at other people skills and how yeah. we can build these people skills to help in other areas as well. And then I'm I'm happy to connect with anyone on LinkedIn. Just LinkedIn, Jesse Be Good, and uh, you'll find me. Awesome. I'll make sure that those links are in the show notes so people can click through. Jesse, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Bruce. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.